ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Welcome, and we are going to have just an amazing interview today. We are talking to uh, someone who has, is actually backed by popular demand, Diane Crampton, and she has written a new book that we're going to be talking about. I'll introduce in a few minutes. But our original interview that we had a number of years ago was a book called Tigers Amongst Us. And Diane has used this tiger theme in everything that she does. And those of you who are actually watching the video version of this uh, can see her Tigers logo, which I absolutely love how you've uh, meshed the globe with the, the tiger stripe. So Diane, welcome. Thank you, Chickie. It's great to be here. Diane, one of the things that we always love to start with, especially if they haven't listened to our previous interview, is just a little bit about your backstory, not so much what you do, but why you do it and, and what led you to this place where uh, you really felt compelled to write uh, the, the new book. Well, um, you know, the backstory is really interesting. I was a, a manager, and I don't know if you remember the... Um, the 1980s with the Arab oil cartel and the problems we had with interest rates going through the ceiling and all of that. Well, I came to work one day as a manager and found that my uh, department had been pink slipped. A whole bunch of people were gone. I didn't know about it. Employees didn't know about it. There was no conversation about it, um, but they were gone. And the aftermath of that was people were horrified. They were terrified. Uh, you know, they had house payments to pay. pay. They had right. bills. They had their kids in school. And there was no preparation for any of this so that uh, people were prepared. And there was no conversation with regard to maybe somebody was interested in taking a leave of absence if because their, their, their spouse was doing well, let's say. And there were no conversations, there was no planning, there was no transparency. And I was asked to, to fire uh, some additional people, lay them off. And I said, you know, I'm not gonna do that and I'm not gonna do it in this way. So I fell on my sword, Chicky. I said, you know, this is not who I am and this is not what I do for money. So I, and I had been wanting to get my master's anyway, and, but, but I went into my master's with a question. And that question was, what's necessary to build an ethical, quality-focused, productive, cooperative, collaborative uh, group of working people? Because Chicky, we spend more time at work than we actually spend in conversations with our families. Absolutely. And that, that, that work, in my view, can also be a lifestyle. That if people are um, viewed as valuable contributors to the work that they do, there's different attitudes and behaviors toward that 
than directing people in a way that is non-transparent and has huge impacts on people's lives and their families and their communities. Right. Well, so, it sounds like you were way ahead of your time in this, Diane, oh, before well, and, corporate culture and leadership uh, were really in vogue, you were out leading this. Well, and, and it actually, I see a lot of my words over the years coming up in different publications and whatnot. So I'm not going to say, you know, I, I was a pioneer in this because uh, in the 1930s, they were talking about the value of the human employee. Uh, but what I did is I studied everything I could find in education, psychology, and business on group dynamics, group behavior. And out of this meta-analysis, there were six principles that emerged that are essential to people loving what they do, doing it well, being productive, and being an asset to an organization's growth and stability. And those six principles are trust, interdependence, genuineness, empathy, risk, and success. So, and I was very fortunate to do this study under the tutelage of Gonzaga University. But once I had developed this work, then Gonzaga said, oh my, this is, <laughs> uh, this is unique, it's different, it's not anything that we have seen, it's landmark. So let us give you a department head to work with. Because the next question was, so I found these things, you know, is it just a bunch of feel good goo or can you strategically identify organizational dynamics that can be improved by assessing and measuring this in workforce behavior? So the question was, can you, um, identify each one of those principles in organizational behavior. So four years later, and after two independent studies, the results were um, conclusive. Not only could we measure those principles within human behavior so that, or within group behavior, so that um, training and development can be targeted and not a guess on what you do to develop your workforce. It could actually be targeted and um, then be able to measure that over time. So we found that that could be done. And we also found that when, let's say an organization has a deficit in trust, like the one that required me to downsize people and it was done so um, with such lack of transparency that, um, you know, could we actually measure that, that process? Could we be transparent? Could trust be improved in organizational behavior? And out of that, there was a lot of soft skill training that people and leaders um, were shy of because it wasn't like you could measure it on a, a, a production line 
by unit created, right? So as a result of that, uh, not only could we measure the impact of soft skill training, trust development, communication, conflict resolution, some of those soft skills, empathy, those soft skills, not only could we measure it, but we could also measure the improvement of it. And we could correlate that improvement with ROI in the organization's bottom line, either by cost savings or productivity improvements or both. So from the get-go, I could prove as a consultant that what I was offering to an organization could actually be proved financially Mm -hmm. and um, for the financial bottom line, which is important because at that period of time, human beings were and employees were considered sort of a uh, unnecessary inconvenience. So Diane, I have to ask with, with all of this focus on the soft skills training. So where did the tiger analogy come from. Tell us the background of how that emerged and how that became the model for identifying, uh, again, your first uh, book that we talked about uh, years ago was about tigers amongst us. How were you identifying tigers? How were you setting them apart? Was tiger, I'm assuming it was a good thing, not a bad thing, or you wouldn't have adopted it as your model. So tell us that story. Well, the six principles, again, that came out of this research were trust, interdependence, genuineness or authenticity, empathy, risk, and success. So when we did this four-year validation process of this assessment, we discovered that there was a difference between how people understand um, what being genuine is. And there was some confusion over authenticity because authenticity, people through this study, and we did it according to, you know, psychological uh, survey creation criteria. What we discovered was that Authenticity was something that people more related to an authentic signature, an authentic antique, an authentic piece of art. It was something outside of self, whereas genuineness became a personal quality and learned skill. Right. And so... Uh, when it was beca- when it became known that there was confusion in people's minds between authenticity and genuineness, uh, genuineness was what I settled on. So here I had a friend and I were sitting at my kitchen table, and this was a friend who helped me develop a computer program for my research so it could be sent right off to Gonzaga and I didn't have to manipulate any data. I just entered the data, let them do the assessment of it so I could remove myself from what they call bias. Right, right. And uh, so we were sitting there and I had, you know, I had a T, I had an I, a G, an E, an R, an S, and they were on the table. 
And we started playing Scrabble with that. It's like, let's rearrange these letters and see if there's an acronym. And when tigers emerged from that, it was like, whoa. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you look at a tiger, uh, they're very effective at what they do. I mean, if they are a healthy tiger, they stay in their environment. They hunt other animals and not humans. Well, when you have a, a, a tiger that is sick or hurt, it will hurt people. Just like an organization will hurt people. Right. And so, uh, and, and from a leadership perspective, one of the most difficult things to do, Chicky, is take that inward journey into self to face your own inner tiger. Because there are reasons why people are not genuine. There are reasons why people, uh, uh, some people struggle with empathy. And that inner journey is the, the, the life of a coach to be able to help a person safely discover their barriers to how they relate to trust, interdependence, genuineness, empathy, risk, and success. So that's how, that's the backstory on how tigers emerged from this research and uh, playing at my kitchen table and seeing what emerged from that little activity. And it was life transforming. I mean, I immediately went to attorney, to an attorney, I copyrighted it, I trademarked it, got the logo and did the whole thing because it was just so profound to be able to discover that. Well, I love that story. And, and so <laughs> the, the next piece that I'd like you to share with us is uh, obviously the first book was uh, to help you deliver all of that amazing information that you gathered and, and to put the, the elements of, of the metaphor together, right? And then the current book is very, very different. And having uh, relatively recently written a business fable, uh, you know, you and I uh, immediately were attracted to one another when you learned, uh, you know, that that's what yeah. I was doing. And it, it took me a long time to get mine from concept uh, into print. But uh, my book, which is The Game Changer, the same name as, as mm -hmm. this show, uh, really was a way to tell the story through a team of real people facing real situations. And so why did you choose that, that allegorical fable format? Well, in both books, it's, it gives people an opportunity to have a discussion in a group, in an organization, and point to the book instead of personal deficits. And so in my book, um, Ti uh, Becoming Tigers, Leading Your Team to Success, I had the group dynamic book. I needed a good leadership book. And I have read so many of them that list things that uh, are, are all good and they're substantiated by um, good research some of them, <laughs> but it was hard to resonate with. 
And so I took sort of a composite of various leaders that I had worked with that were struggling with project management, that were struggling with human employee communications and issues related to uh, you know, how to lead a high functioning agile team of people. And so my protagonist is Derek Alexander. Derek is in his mid thirties. He's starting to hit his career uh, launch But on a Friday afternoon, he meets with his uh, supervisor who says, you know, Derek, you've had a lot of turnover in your group. And so I started looking at it and I actually talked to one of the most recent people that just quit, John. And John told me that the reason he quit was because of you. You're a lousy leader. That's what he's that's what he told me. And with the high turnover that you're having in your department, I think there might be something behind that. So you have this weekend to make a proposal to me on Monday as to what you're going to do about your leadership behavior and how you see it changing in the future. Right, and so, so you call this, you call this, the wake-up call, and I'm presuming that the weekend is the mudslide. <laughs> yes, the weekend is the mudslide, exactly. And uh, so, you know, like with any change, you are where you are now. You have where you want to go. I think there is a misconception that the way to get there is point A to B. Well, if you have a big gap, how are you going to get across to point B? You can't get there without a bridge, right? Right, right. If you can't fly like the eagles did. So what I did is I, I, I took a look at the bridge allegory, what it takes to build a bridge to get a whole bunch of, in this case, animals, from point A to B, which is the bridge, to C. And I, and I, and I put an element of danger in it. Um, one of the uh, courses I took, because Gonzaga was so great at, at, since this was landmark research, they, were, they said, go anywhere in the world. We'll, we'll give you credit for that course. So I flew to the East Coast and um, attended uh, a ropes course. Do you remember when they used to do oh, ropes yeah. courses to help, you know, people? Oh, yeah. Their- In fact, behind me, there's a picture of me climbing to the top of a, a telephone pole and jumping out and catching a, a trapeze. And one of the other elements of that was a ropes course. <laughs> exactly. And so I, I, I kind of threw some of that ropes course um imagination in into this book because i know that when people are facing their inner tiger like derek had to do and find out what it is i'm doing that can be improved um that that inner inner walk i know that when people are faced with really difficult situations like that, they don't want to be preached to. 
They often want to discover it themselves. So in this process, I wrote the book in a way where Derek learns from this story. And he gains his own insights from that. Such as and, the cost of poor leadership. Right. He gets his insights from that. He starts seeing through the context of this story what he's doing wrong. And at the same time, when you think of how families work, because in my view, when you hire an employee, they come with a family. And that's where that responsibility of good um, management, good business, um, you know, comes from that realization that it's more than just the employee that you hire. Right. And so <clears throat> from, uh, from Derek's perspective, he had a choice. I mean, he could have come home Friday afternoon and just slammed the door, headed to his office, but he had a, a young child. He had a wife. He had normal family activities um, over a weekend where he took his daughter, gave his wife some rest. Um, and so this whole, so I put this family dynamic in it too, because Derek had a choice, be with family or solve this problem. Because if he didn't solve the problem, he would be fired. So just in the faith of, of family, his ideas started coming forward because, um, and what he did to change himself was really remarkable. It came with humility. It came with recognition of his um, failures and the outcomes. Uh, you know, it's a feel good outcome. And right. I love so this. Yeah, it's a feel good out outcome. And you know what's interesting, Chicky? Uh, when I first released the book, uh, 10 people immediately put their comments up on uh, Amazon. And one of the comments came from a young business owner who has kids who said, yeah, I love the Derek story. Yeah, I love the Tiger story. And I see how it could apply to my business, but I hire independent contractors. Where I saw the value of it was how I um, am raising my sons to eventually be interdependent human beings so that their marriages last, <laughs> mm. so that they can cooperate and collaborate through problems and, and uh, you know, have healthy marriages and be a healthy human being. So she said that the, um, uh, the, the interdependence chapter in the book was a wake-up call for her in her, uh, her parenting style Very because she was, she was parenting to be deep for her kids to be her boys to be dependent, not interdependent. And uh, it was a wake up call for her. And, uh, and just by taking some of Derek's ideas and adding her own to it, 
it became a wake up call where she's taken action on and everybody in the family is a lot happier. Right. And there are a couple of things that come out of this, you know, and again, the metaphor of, of going across the bridge and now, now thinking about the ropes course. And there, there are two other components of trust is like an oil and when two heads are better than one. And I'm thinking back to my own and my program that I went to was called Sports Mind and, yeah. and trust. Uh, we had to do this trust fall, right, where somebody yes. was standing up on, on a wall and literally had to fall into a crowd of, of peers. Well, who did they choose to stand up on the wall but the guy in the group who literally weighed 375 if he weighed an ounce, right? And so we're all down there thinking, oh, crap, right? <laughs> what are we going to do? And, you know, two heads are better than one uh, actually kicked in with us and, and actually walking into the next uh, uh, topic of the perks of strong leadership is we, it was all leaders in our organization that were even on this weekend getaway. But not only did we successfully catch him, but, you know, we navigated him back to a standing position and, and there was a lot of strategizing of how we were going to do that and, and where we were going to place the people who weren't as strong. So it, it seems like the, the use of this metaphorical style of, of telling a story uh, obviously had a lot of benefits. So I want to fast forward a little bit sure. um, to uh the insights and curiosity and, and then to the forgiveness chapter, because uh, I know in my own situation where, where Annie points out something where I'm not enough, right? Not good enough, not uh, smart enough, not enough of a leader, you know, wh whatever that enough is that eventually you have to get to the place where you're willing uh, to forgive yourself. So walk us through the, the, the pace of insights through curiosity to forgiveness. Well, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a process uh, and forgiveness is absolutely required. And it, and it is really a part, I think, of the human experience to realize nothing is ever going to be perfect. That with our best intentions, we will make mistakes. And that the, the insight that comes when you realize, oh my gosh, I snapped at that person because I was stressed about this other project or I uh, just didn't listen well. I was so busy. I never got the emotional context of what somebody was sharing to me. So it starts with insight. And then there's that period of self-reflection that is it me or not me? Did somebody react uh, in a way that is more about them than about me? Well, for Derek's realization, it was his behavior that caused John to feel like he was the worst boss he had ever had. He quit the company because of it. So then there's the point of forgiveness. And in fact, I had this great conversation with a dear friend of mine who um, had senior positions with American Licorice Company and is still in a senior position uh, now. And we were talking about how there are some personality styles that really have to struggle for self-reflection. 
and that there are others where that self-reflection is normal. So self-reflection itself is a self uh, is a soft skill. I, but that said, when you realize that you snapped at somebody and it wasn't about them, it was because you were stressed. Being able to go to that person as soon as possible and say, you know something? I think our last encounter, I was pretty nasty. I'm not going to tell you why. I mean, I was stressed, but what I need you to know is that I really value you. And I'm sorry if I came off that way because I know when I don't understand where some negative has come toward me. I suffer with it and it affects the quality in my work. And therefore, you know, I need you to know that I really value you and I'm really sorry. Um, And that's important to how that relationship stays together and in building trust. Because Chicky, you mentioned trust being an oil. I don't, I used to see, and there were many thought leaders that called trust the glue. Well, I see it as an oil because trust is always transactional from the standpoint of how we trust, how things are misunderstood, how communications go sideways sometime because the real intent isn't there. And as a result of that, when you have lots of oil in your tank, there's less friction. The engine doesn't blow up, right? Right, right. And that when trust gets low, you need to fill it back up, (laughs) you know? And that comes with self-reflection, humility, recognition of the impact on another person, and the reality that people are different. You know, what impacts one person might not impact another person the same way. But that self-reflection piece is key. Because you and I have the ability to read body language. We know if somebody has just been deflated. Leaders know that. Some take joy in it. (laughs) Well, that's a fact. So the interesting thing uh, to me is how you tie this all together at the end of Uh, again, bringing back in the bridge metaphor of actually testing new bridges. And even even the situation that you just described of confronting the situation in many ways is a new bridge because that may not be how you communicated in the past. Right. And, And what I love is that you bring everything back around to ideas and hope. And, you know, I can imagine Derek walking back in on Monday, right? And, and again, his boss doesn't know what the mudslide yielded, right? He, it could have been, you know, just anger, anger, anger all weekend and, and never making it across the bridge, never recognizing the cost of poor leadership, uh, never understanding the trust relationship and, and actually thinking outside of yourself, you know, using at least one other head, right? And, and that there are benefits, uh, even if he didn't feel like leadership was actually his job, um, you know, that there were perks in doing that. So 
talk to us about ideas and hopes and, and how this all comes together at the end uh, of Becoming Tigers. Well, I think when you, when you, when you cross that bridge, and of, of course, we had Kali crossing that, bit, that bridge first, and he, because he was the leader that was in transition uh, as the Tiger Lord in this, in, this, uh, in this project, who was coached by his brother, who was a much better leader. So it was Kali's faith and trust in how his group of animals made decisions, solved problems, made everything stronger, and did so using their unique skills to build this bridge. So he had trust, he had to take trust. He took the risk of crossing that bridge first then he brought the heaviest member across, like your 300 and some pound person, you got to check, you got to catch, <laughs> right. right? And that whole process of getting to the other side, when you see the light at the end of the tunnel, when you go through your transition and change, sometimes all you have is faith and hope in that process that doing the work will reap the rewards of better relationships, more collaboration, more trust that pulls that group together as a leader. And so, and that does take hope and faith and, and it's part of the communication process of making a change. Because again, part of that bridge is communicating what is going right so that everybody can get across. Right, right. We know we have early adopters who say, oh, I get it. I will do this. But the majority of people are not like that. They want to see the effects of the change process. Some may not get it. But when they see other people with behavior, skills, and attitudes that get further across that bridge, it's good to tell those stories so that other people can see what success looks like. Right, right. Well, I am so grateful, Diane, for you taking time uh, to walk us through this. And uh, for those of you who've been listening, we've been talking to Diane Crampton, who is the author of the book, Becoming Tigers, Leading Your Team to Success. And there's an amazing picture on the front that not only shows the tiger leading, but the elephant be behind him has the tiger stripes and, and uh, the monkey or orangutan, I don't know quite which, you know, also has tiger stripes peeking around. Right. And, and so what Diane has provided here is a very, very practical uh, way. And for those of you who haven't uh, read a lot of allegorical stories. Uh, they are very, very powerful. And Diane, I can see how it would be powerful to actually have your team 
read the book so that you can then use the, the common language of the lessons learned yes. uh, to help guide uh, in a non-threatening way to guide your team uh, really to success. So thank you so, so much for joining us today. And Diane, before I let you go, why don't you share with folks the best way to get in touch with you? Come to my website at corevalues.com. In the upper right-hand corner, you can send me messages. Um, you can let us know uh, through our chat bots uh, how we can help you. And it's a great way that we have uh, to connect you with uh, what works. And if it doesn't work, we'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific, Diane. Well, you have just a marvelous weekend. And again, it was so great to have you back. Thank you, Chicky. It's been a joy to be here. Thank you. Okay, have a great day. And for those of you who are listening, go out and change your game today. We highly recommend that you buy the book, Becoming Tigers, Leading Your Team to Success, if you are in a leadership role or if you aspire. Uh, to be a leader. It's way better to uh, proactively learn about leadership before you take on the real role. So again, thank you so much for joining us today. And Diane, thanks again. Thank you, Chicky. It's been a joy. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Chicky Fitzgerald. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business.